Chapter 5. Humans to Become Children of God This present age is near its end. The deceptive and destructive reign of its ruler Satan has once again led the human race down a path of self-destruction. But this time God won't flood the world to start over. See Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 13 and chapter 9 verse 11. However, God will intervene before it's too late. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 and 22. For details of how this age will come to its end, see our online article, When Will the World End? The Bible teaches us that beginning with the return of Christ, there will be a series of three resurrections. It begins with first fruits and the first resurrection. The first resurrection marks the beginning of when humans will be changed into immortal spirit beings, members of the divine family of God. Actually, Christ was the first of these firsts. As the Apostle Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 23, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. For since by man, Adam, came death, by man, Christ, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Paul goes on to explain that God's saints who are still alive when Christ returns will likewise be changed into spirit at that time. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verses 51 and 52. Paul also gives the sequence of events in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. God's servants don't go to heaven. Instead, Christ will come down from heaven to the earth. The resurrected saints will first meet him in the clouds, and from there, Christ will go to the Mount of Olives, where he left the earth from when he returned to heaven. See Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, and Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. This is also where he will defeat the armies gathered to fight against him. Revelation chapter 19, verse 19. Satan will be bound so he can't deceive people for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. Then Christ, with his spirit-composed saints, will begin ruling on the earth. In addition to immortality, the reward of the saints will include the privilege of reigning with Christ. Notice Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, especially the second part of the verse. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. 
Why do humans die? God intentionally created humans to have limited lifespans. Unlike angels, humans were designed to be very short-lived. We are fashioned literally out of elements of the earth. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God informed the first humans, For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. That would be the end for every human, for everyone has violated God's law. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. What a human reaps for having sinned, violating God's law, even just once, is not eternal life in some place of punishment. It is death. God has never canceled any of his perfect laws, nor has he changed this death penalty for breaking his law. But in God's great plan, Jesus Christ, the one through whom God created all things, and whose life is worth infinitely more than the sum total of the human race, became a human in order to die, thus paying the death penalty for any human who repents. Repentance, which includes embracing God and His law, is required in order to have this payment applied. God also requires baptism. For more information about this process of conversion, see our free booklet, Change Your Life. When God's terms are met, then the rest of Romans 6.23 comes into play. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can never earn eternal life, but God is willing to grant it to those who desire to live forever on His terms. Lucifer and a third of the angels were not willing to continue embracing God's terms. God will not bring others into His family who will make the same choice as Satan and his demons. Humans to be elevated above angels. Living forever means living as a spirit being. God made humans to be temporarily lower than the angels, but God's plan is for humans to one day be above angels. The first to rise from this human state to a spirit-glorified state above angels was Jesus Christ himself when he was resurrected and then returned to heaven. Remember the levels of existence or kingdoms mentioned in chapter 2? First, there is the animal kingdom, including all physical creatures other than humans. Above this is the human level of existence. Above this is the angelic level of existence. And above the angels is God's level of existence. We can also think of these as families or realms. So if God's plan is for humans to ascend above the angelic realm, what is that realm? It is the God family. Since the beginning of his human creation, God's plan has been for humans to one day enter into his own divine, spirit-composed God family. Recall how God created every life form to reproduce according to its kind in Genesis chapter 1. The pinnacle of God's creation was humanity, made in God's image, according to God's likeness, made to be like God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. The ultimate fulfillment of this begins with the resurrection of God's saints or firstfruits at Christ's return. James chapter 1, verse 18, and Revelation chapter 14, verse 4. 
Pointing to that resurrection, the Apostle John said to God's church, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. A human embryo is already its parent's child by virtue of the seed of conception by the parents before it is ever born into the human family. But only after birth is the unique appearance of that child seen. In the same way, God's human firstfruits are already his children by virtue of the seed of begettal by God's Spirit before they are born into the God family. But as John said, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be because we are not yet born into the God family. When Christ is revealed, when he returns to the earth and every eye will see him, as Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, then the first resurrection takes place, and that resurrection is to divine, immortal, spirit life in the God family. Then, being like him, we will see him in his full glory. When Christ returns, he will reign over the earth for 1,000 years. Although little is mentioned in the Bible about those living into or born during this millennium, the books of the Bible will be opened to them. The veil that hid God's way of life and purpose from mankind will have been taken away. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 In his own time, God will elevate those who are faithful to also become spirit-born children of God. Then Satan will be released for a short period of time, as we will see in the next chapter, before being banished for the rest of eternity. The Second Resurrection The next major event in God's plan will be the resurrection back to physical life for the rest of the human race. In this world under Satan's reign, the vast majority of people from all human history have never had the opportunity to fully understand God's truth or receive salvation. The fact that some are firstfruits implies a much larger harvest to follow. Revelation chapter 20 verse 5 says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is a parenthetical statement within the context of the first resurrection mentioned in the previous verse. The first resurrection will occur when the saints rise to eternal spirit life at Christ's return to earth. After 1,000 years, the rest of humanity will be resurrected. Thus, it is the second resurrection. In this resurrection, multiple billions of humans will all have the chance to learn God's law and embrace it, and be offered forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Verses 11 and 12 of this chapter tell us more about the second resurrection. Then I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. Here we see a resurrection back to life, a life that will then be under judgment. We are informed in Hebrews 9, verse 27, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. For the vast majority of humans, the second resurrection will be their day of judgment. The book of life is also opened during this period. 
in order to begin adding names to it as all those humans begin learning and practicing God's truth in their new life. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, and chapter 12, verses 41 and 42, Jesus showed that people from different time periods would be raised back to life concurrently. Inhabitants of the cities of Tyre, Sidon, Sodom, and Nineveh are all mentioned as one day standing in judgment before God and alongside Christ's contemporaries. This second resurrection is described graphically in Ezekiel chapter 37, where God showed the prophet a vision of what that resurrection will be like. While humans from all races, nations, and periods of history will be resurrected at that time, God showed Ezekiel just one nation, Israel, and one location. Yet even the house of Israel with its long history will likely number into the billions. This is the famous Valley of Dry Bones prophecy. If you haven't before, take the time to read this detailed prophecy for yourself. Again, this is a resurrection to physical life. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Verses 8 and 9. Notice that these newly resurrected bodies require breath, or air, to live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. Verse 13. They, and billions of other humans, did not truly know God in their lifetime in this world. They will learn all about him in the second resurrection. Furthermore, and very importantly, they will have the opportunity to have the Spirit of God imparted to them, just as the firstfruits had. I will put my Spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Verse 14. All people will have a complete chance to become spirit-born members of God's family. The Third Resurrection and Lake of Fire Christ will reign on earth through the millennium and on through the Second Resurrection and Great White Throne Judgment period. All those resurrected humans who choose to live God's way will have their names written in the Book of Life, which means they will be given immortal spirit life in the family of God. But some will choose to reject God's laws and way of life, and there are some who have already had the opportunity in this life, but knowingly, willfully rejected God and His truth. Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15 reveals the next step. Then death and Hades, the Greek word for the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second or permanent death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The incorrigibly sinful obviously do not rise in the first resurrection. The second resurrection is for those who have not had their chance at salvation in their first life, 
Humans who had their chance in this life and lost it by ultimately rejecting God will not rise in either the first or second resurrection. Therefore, there is a final or third resurrection in which those people will rise and subsequently have their lives formally and permanently terminated. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 alludes to this resurrection. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. The lake of fire will ultimately engulf the entire earth, as Second Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says, But the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 10 describes it, The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Those who ultimately reject God will be burned up. The Bible does not teach that they will live forever in some ever-burning hell. For more understanding about what the Bible really teaches about hell and heaven and the mortality of man, see our free booklet, The Last Enemy, What Really Happens After Death. God's Ultimate Plan for Humans But the earth is not to remain a smoldering orb in the future. God is going to replace the earth and the heavens. On this beautiful new earth, God's kingdom will be planted for the rest of eternity and a brand new capital city will be established upon it. Jerusalem was the capital of God's covenant nation, Israel. In the millennium, and through the great white throne judgment period, Jerusalem will be the capital of the earth and the residence of Jesus Christ, the King of the world. See Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, for example. And the capital of the new earth will again be Jerusalem but it will be an amazing capital, far more amazing than anything the earth has ever seen. Its measurements, described in Revelation chapter 21, translate into approximately 1,500 miles in each direction, width, length, and height. Such an enormous edifice will be the capital of not only the earth, but all God's creation, including the heavens, and it will also be God's home. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. Verses 9 through 27 of this chapter describe this incredible city. For more information, see our online article, New Jerusalem. Verse 12 says that twelve angels will be stationed at the twelve gates to the city, again showing that angels will remain active in God's service. And then the Father himself will dwell on earth with the Spirit-born members of his divine family. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 3. Romans chapter 8 contains a prophecy of what the future holds. God's incredible plan for humans and the whole creation is summarized by the Apostle Paul. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 18. Daniel chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 echoes this truth. 
And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The Apostle Paul continues in Romans 8, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Verses 19 through 23. Paul is reminding church members that the physical creation is by design temporary. It is winding down, gradually decaying, following the physical law of entropy. Left alone, stars would continue to burn out, and the universe would eventually contain only cold, dark galaxies full of decaying planets. Its future is bleak, thus the metaphor of groaning and laboring with birth pangs. This expression means that the creation is anticipating deliverance from its current state, that something will renew it. Indeed, God will make it all brand new. Consider these prophecies. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. And this renewed, never-decaying, never-dying creation will be inherited by God's Spirit-born family members. Remember what Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 said in explaining King David's prophetic words about humans one day having all God's creation put in subjection under them. Again, God's plan is for humans to be born into the divine God family and then to ultimately have dominion over God's entire creation for eternity. And it is a very vast creation. Looking forward to that time, Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 and 5 contains some of the most encouraging words in the entire Bible. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Chapter 6. The Future of Angels and Fallen Angels What is the fate of Satan and the demons? After Christ returns, Satan and the demons will be banished, unable to harm or influence humans for 1,000 years. In Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, the place of Satan's imprisonment is called the bottomless pit or abyss, New Revised Standard Version, or pit, New International Version. 
a place of restraint so that they cannot roam the earth, wreak havoc, or deceive humans. This future binding of Satan is portrayed by one of God's annual holy days. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 15 through 22, describes a ceremony on the Day of Atonement. Two goats were involved, one representing Christ and the other Satan. The goat representing Christ was slain, as indeed Christ was slain. The goat representing Satan remained alive, but was forcefully taken out to the wilderness away from people. See our online article, The Day of Atonement, Removing the Enemy, Reconciling All to God. The fate of this second goat foreshadowed what will happen to Satan after Christ returns. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. This is described in verses 7 and 8. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. After Satan's and the demons' release and renewed efforts to thwart God's plan, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Verse 10. The word are, appearing in some Bibles, should instead say, were cast, as these two humans, the beast and the false prophet, will be cast into a fire and burned up at the beginning of the millennium, as shown in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. Christ also pointed to the post-millennium fire as the means by which all unrepentant humans will eventually meet their second or permanent death. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. The devil and his angels are spirit and will not die. This fire is not their final fate. At some point God will banish them to the eternal fate of their judgment. This is what is meant by the rest of verse 10 in Revelation chapter 20 and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Jude chapter 1 verses 6 and 13, and Second Peter chapter 2 verse 17 allude to the eternal fate, to live in the blackness of darkness forever. Recall the episode in Matthew 8 of the two men possessed with many demons. They had cried out to Christ, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Verse 29. They did not say, Have you come here to kill us before the time? As previously explained, angels, including those that sinned, were created immortal and will not die, as Christ also made clear in Luke chapter 20, verses 35 and 36. Their ultimate punishment will be spending eternity in a condition of imprisonment and irrelevance, unable to influence anyone. The Future of the Holy Angels In the final years of this age, the holy angels will play crucial roles in prophesied events to occur prior to Christ's return to the earth. Their task will include administering plagues and sounding the seven trumpets. You can read about these events in Revelation chapters 6 through 16. 
Jesus Christ will return to earth to save his creation and to take over rulership of the earth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Just think about this fantastic procession of Christ and those millions of angels approaching the earth. Revelation chapter 19, verse 14 also describes this momentous event. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. The angels will then assist Christ with various details of ushering in God's government over the earth. One of those tasks will be gathering together his faithful saints. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. This brings us back to one of the primary reasons God created angels. Recall that Hebrews 1 verse 14, in referring to angels, states, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Even knowing that we shall one day be made higher than them, those angels humbly and diligently serve us now on God's behalf. It is incredible to think about these angels who have been dispatched by God to serve us. They saw when we were born, watched us through the years as we grew up, and will continue serving after we die. And they have been doing this for generation after generation, century after century. They will no doubt rejoice when they see the humans whom they have served resurrected back to life. Angels will no doubt continue serving those divine spirit-born members of God's family in various ways for eternity. Conclusion The spirit world, the true spirit world, is more fascinating than words can describe. God the Father and Jesus Christ created everything, apart from themselves, that exists. In the spirit realm, these two eternally living, infinitely powerful beings created angels, sentient beings with individual freedom of choice and greater might than humans. One of the angels, Lucifer, chose to pursue an alternate way of life and rebelled against God. One-third of the angels eventually joined him, becoming enemies of God and then enemies of his human creation. Satan's deceitful tactics include perpetrating many fallacies about God and the spirit realm. God created humans in his own image, with the potential to one day be born into the very family of God rising above the angels. This is the true amazing potential of every human being, including you. What is the formula for entering God's family? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repenting involves ceasing to break God's laws, which have never been abolished. The idea that God's laws are abolished is another example of Satan's deceitful messages, designed to encourage humans to disobey God as he did. Study more of what the Bible teaches about God's law in our online article, Jesus and the Law. True repentance is followed by water baptism and the receiving of God's Spirit as a down payment on eternal life. The change to Spirit will first be experienced by God's firstfruits of this age at the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. 
This is the time frame of Christ's promise in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every one according to his work. After Christ's return, all humans will have the opportunity for salvation, eternal life in the family of God. Then a prophecy given through King David in Psalm 16, verse 11, will become reality for everyone in God's eternal family. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thanks for listening to The Spirit World, Facts and Fallacies. To learn more, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.